Monsieur Neri, please, one more question. N'avez-vous pas fait récemment une rencontre? Have you recently had a close encounter? Une rencontre plutôt inhabituelle. A close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? to 20th Century Popcast. It's the show where we try to understand the present by living the past. My name is Tim Blevins. Uh, Bob is not here, and I am feeling very self-conscious, listeners. Not conscientious, just a little awkward and aware of myself. I'm, I'm walking right now. I, I apologize. There's a drastic dip in audio and potentially host content uh, quality of this episode. You might be hearing some construction vehicles, some wind, some passerbys, me out of breath. And the reason for that, the reasoning behind this exhaustion sound is that, yeah, I'm walking right now in Boston, through Boston, at Boston. It's Thursday morning. It's about maybe 10.30 a.m., And uh, we don't have an episode up yet. Boy, I hope you can hear me because it is noisy on this bridge. Very noisy. Apparently there's a game today, which um, I guess is a Red Sox game. Don't notice that ever. Anyways, there's no episode up yet. Normally there is Thursday morning. This will hopefully be up. And the reason, the purpose, why, how is this relevant? Why is me walking and talking into a phone instead of a state-of-the-art consumer-grade USB microphone. Why is that worthy of your listenership, your time, this episode, 20th Century Popcast? Hey, Bob fans, what's keeping you here? Well, I'm on my way. I'm on my way to the movie theaters. I don't go to the movies as much as I'd like to, as much as I talk about, but for the past two weeks, almost two weeks, two weeks tomorrow, my favorite movie of all time, my favorite film, the cinematic joy that brings the most joy to my movie-loving heart, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the 1977 Steven Spielberg sci-fi release. Um, It's celebrating 40 years this year, and part of that celebration is that it's being re-released into into cinemas. It was supposed to be for a week, a week that I was unfortunately occupied during and unable to get to. They extended it for a second week, or they always intended it for a second week, and this was just to make it seem exciting, but it's still playing. Today, I believe, is the last day, and so I am on my way right now to an 11.25 a.m. showing of my favorite movie of all time. And, and therein lies the episode, today's episode. Something I wish I could discuss, wish I had thought ahead, wish there wasn't so much ambient noise of traffic moving around. But um, it's the kind of thing that would have been better to talk to with a fan. Bob and I had discussed the possibility of doing a uh, Close Encounters episode. We had not gotten around to it because of various whatevers. We didn't get to record last week, whatever the topic was going to be. So I'm doing this. 
or attempting this, or hoping that this works out. It's a little bit of a retro shock, the segment where we kind of talk about something we haven't seen since childhood, then go back and watch it and explain how it impacts us. The difference with this retro shock, the difference with difference with this episode is that I have seen Close Encounters maybe about four or five years ago. I have seen clips of it on TV. It's one of those movies like Blade Runner or Ghostbusters or Desperately Seeking Susan that when it's on, when it's on the television, my God, it's loud here. When it's on the television, I'll stop and watch key scenes that I always seem to be catching um, are, are what I will watch. Oh, is this, this is bad. Bad audio, Tim Blevins. Really bad audio. Let's see. Trying to get across here. See, it's quieter over here, but there's also more people over here. If I'm just talking, it's fine. Not that people are listening, but it's when I do something radio-like, like when I identify the show or say hello, that I feel a little self-conscious that maybe people are listening. They are tearing up my past here in Boston, by the way, as I'm walking around. They are destroying it with Danny and the dinosaur-like proficiency. Sorry, man. Almost walked into someone. I'm going to turn down the side street and keep going. This is going to be a rough episode. Not an episode to share with your friends. Not the one that's going to gain more hits or subscriptions. Ah, here we go. A little quieter. A little more pee on the floor, probably. Uh, Close Encounters, yes. Close Encounters, sci-fi movie, spectacle movie. Huge, big deal to me movie that... um, I've seen on the big screen a couple of times, never in like a proper, and I say proper in terms of first run, pristine print version. It was always at art houses. Um, And by that I mean the Brattle, the Coolidge Corner Theater. Movie theaters, movie houses that show various in quality uh, versions of films on the big screen. Sometimes restorations, sometimes from their personal collections. And so I think twice, maybe three times, but probably twice, I have seen Close Encounters on the big screen. Um, I've never seen a crisp cut of it, so today I'm kind of thrilled to be going to that. But why Why does this movie matter? What is it about Close Encounters of the Third Kind that matters that is making me make sure I track it down during its run? And at a 11.25 a.m. showing where I'm guessing from the ticket I bought online, I'll be the only person there. Well... UFOs, aliens, outer space. I mean, those, those, those sort of fringe topics, they're fringe topics to me anyways, growing up in a small town of Connecticut where no one really talked about them. They, they were always of massive fascination to me. I mostly remember it from the library. Going to the library, town library, small town library, and checking out its very small, unexplained section, a portion of a section of a shelf that would have a couple ghost books by Daniel Cohen, Real Ghosts, a book called Monsters You Never Heard Of, some Eric Von Daniken books like Chariots of the Gods, Ancient Astronauts, and just other books about UFO abductions. Probably The Interrupted Journey was on that shelf, the first time I ever saw that. Maybe Intruders. These were the books I'd pull from the shelf and take home and kind of read. And because they weren't talked about in school and because they weren't talked about at home and because It wasn't a topic that necessarily at that time was prevalent in the public conversation. I don't know if it is now. Uh, Because of all that, it felt like my own private topic. It was the thing I was into, the thing I researched. It was my science. You know, it was my 
take on science. And so what I found and what I felt was that, you, oh my God, hold on a second. Huh. I don't know if any of that was um, usable or salvageable. I have to go back and listen to it. This city, I say this because near my house too, loves pounding concrete loudly. Anyways, what was I talking about? I was talking about UFOs and my found passion of it as my private passion. I, I read every book I could get my hands on, you know, starting at a very young age. I mean, I remember being probably six or seven and getting these books out of the library. And, you know, it was even more exciting once I started buying them because the 80s were a good time for UFO culture, underground culture, because it was creeping towards, I think, more mass market appeal. I think I think you were starting to see it maybe a little more on TV, but books like Communion, books like Above Top Secret, these well-regarded New York Times bestsellers that exp- you know, examined this topic were definitely books that caught my attention. But prior to that, just this idea, just this conceit, just this concept of UFOs in outer space, it was just my private thing. I read it. I understood it. I researched it. All the knowledge I had about it came from work I did. And so it wasn't until later in life that I found other people were also into this topic. I was able to talk about it with them, discuss it with them. Prior to that, it really was mine. And and, then on top of that was this film, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a movie that I think everybody knows. It wasn't like an underground film, it was a hit. The fact that the 40 years after its release, it's getting put back into theaters demonstrates that it was a big deal. But for me, my, I don't know, my experience with it, my discovery of it, like I had always known it had existed. I knew the musical tones. My grandmother had it as a doorbell. I knew the iconic image of that poster. I'd probably seen the very beginning of it on TV, but I'd never watched the whole film. I didn't know the whole film, and then one summer, and this is odd because I feel like it's been in my life longer, but this must have been the summer of 1989, a big summer for me, summer I first read Intruders, the Bud Hopkins exploration of alien abduction, Uh, that was the summer we talked about earlier this summer with all the movies like Batman and stuff, so I was really coming to my own of experiencing other entertainment besides cartoons by myself. I think I was home one evening. Maybe my parents were out. Maybe they're just upstairs or probably outside because they like going outside. I was in our refurnished basement down there on the couch. I often sat on with a VCR, VCR tapes and television. And as I flipped around our prehistoric cable box, flipping by the preview channel to see the slow scroll of what was just on the channel that had just passed, Waiting through a total of probably 120 other digit channels to see that channel again. I noticed that a movie was coming up on some UHF channel that night. Not a not a cable channel, not a major network, but you know something like WTXX channel 20 or WLVI channel 11. One of those stations. They uh, were going to be airing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uninterrupted, it turns out. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I I, I just had a brain fart. Normally I'd be like, okay, we're going to edit that. But you know what? I'm not editing this today, so sorry for that. 
they were going to be screening it on TV, and I thought, well, I'd like to see this. I've never watched this, so I got a VHS tape out of our wide collection of blank and taped upon, retaped upon VHS tapes, and I popped it into the VCR, and probably at 8 o'clock, I imagine, just going to say 8 o'clock, it started. It was rolled out. It began, and I hit record, and I sat on that couch, and I watched it the way I watched movies on television, with interest, with a soda, with the VCR tape going, with my hand on the pause button, ready to halt it, so that I could make my own cinematic version of whatever film I was watching, using the skills of a man who could somehow time when it was that an ad break was coming back. But to my surprise, as the movie began, as I watched it in private, what I was amazed to find out was that there were no commercial breaks. For some reason, this TV cut of the film, broadcast live on television, when I first felt like this is where we go for an advertisement, it began to fade out, it faded to black, and then faded back up. At least that's in my memory. It dipped out to where normally you would stick in your local advertisements, but it came immediately back, running an actual runtime without commercial interruption. So odd to me as I taped it. So odd as I sat there wondering, when do I get to pee? When do I go for snacks? When do I tell my parents, hey, I'm just downstairs watching Close Encounters. This movie's not stopping. It's just playing. And I watched it by myself, and that memory is one of just private, private, I don't know, an extension of privacy. No one came down to the basement while I was playing. Nobody checked in. Nobody called, because back then we didn't really get as many calls without cell phones. But there were no ads interrupting it. There were no reasons to leave it. It was just me. It was sort of my own incident of missing time, only I was aware of all of it, and there was the rest of the world that was missing out. And I sat there. I don't even really know what time it was. As much as I'm trying to figure out now. I, I know it was evening. I don't know where anybody was. But I sat through the entire duration of Close Encounters, focused, caught up in it awe-inspired by it, and all by myself. And the movie washed over me. It's, it's, it's a movie that, at the core of it, glamorizes or dramatizes or gives good, good press to the idea of obsession. You know, the idea of following a truth, of the idea of sort of abandoning your life to pursue something of greater importance, something that has to mean something because of its importance. I think it's something I could relate to, definitely. I think it's something we can relate to in our teens. I think it's something we relate to as creative types when we think we're going to be writers, artists, cartoonists, actors. We always think that the work we're doing, the work we're putting together, what we're part of, we're always under the impression that it's of the greater good, for the greater good, bigger than anyone around us. And that is at the core of Close Encounters. That is probably what brought me in. I mean, of course, there was the spectacle of the outer space effects. Of course, there was the seismic size of an event that large. I can't say that none of that was what was really impacting me, but I think the reason this movie has always stuck with me, and the reason that particular viewing in my basement, all alone as it taped on a reel-to-reel six-hour VHS tape, why that all shakes me to the core with unwavering, unending impact is... Close Encounters is a movie more than any other film experience. 
that speaks to this need that I am that speaks to this need of being something bigger speaks to this need of doing something bigger that speaks to the artistic pull of what you are in pursuit of is worth it not what you have to say not what you have to contribute not what you're signing your name to but just you're pursuing the bigger ideal for me that was some form of art I don't know exactly to this day what kind of art but I always claimed to be a writer who believed in the unexplained always claimed to be an artist who didn't want to go to a big studio always claiming to be the person who did want to do work on their own on their own terms something like Roy Neary's pursuit of the meaning of this giant mothership in his mind of Close Encounters, this abandonment of his own family. And that's at the core of it, which I'll see today. He abandons his family to pursue this ship. And for some reason, sitting there by myself in my basement, where I would spend hours creating things, ideas, concepts, playing, writing, watching this film stoked in me an unhealthy but necessary drive to sacrifice all comfort and responsibility in pursuit of what means something, of what's important. theater, uh, movie theater, just got out of seeing Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, all by myself, totally, I don't mean that like it's an accomplishment like I did it, but that no one else was in the theater, I just sat there and watched, uh, watched it, watched my favorite film, um, and, you know, it's odd when you see something all the time, you know, when you're, you're familiar, overly familiar, you know, incredibly familiar with something, you know, when it's something you, you, you own, you know, Close Encounters, I have it on VHS, I have it on DVD, I have two uh, Blu-rays of it, you know, I've, I've watched it many times, I've watched it on TV, I have access to it so that the spectacle of it on a big screen shouldn't necessarily um, be unique anymore, shouldn't necessarily be of its own kind anymore, and yet, and yet just then, seeing it, it looked different, felt different, looked great, by the way, felt great, by the way, but (sighs) never noticed before that it's raining in the movie, Um, when Roy first sees the ship float over his car after it passes by and his power comes back on it, it's raining. And there's an imagery throughout the movie of clouds sort of puffing up and puffing along over the ship's travel as sort of their cover. And so that I think, you know, I think that's bringing on these storms. So I'd never noticed that before. That looked new. 
And at the end, when the ships approach Devil's Tower and they're first appearing to the, the government agents uh, there, they, they form the shape of the big, well, I assume big, possibly little, but one of the dippers. The, the ships in the sky form the shape of the constellation of the Big Dipper. I've never, never noticed that before either. Um, so both of those were sort of new. Oh, what to say? It's, um, to get back to what I was just saying, when you see something so many times, yeah, it's, it's strange. You know, the potential was there to maybe get restless. You know, as it started, I was excited for it, the opening note. And, you know, then I had a moment of thinking, like, well, am I going to get bored? I'm only one here. Should I turn my phone on? It would be fun to record. But very quickly, the scope of that movie, because there's two scopes working in that movie, and they both sort of hit me at the same time. You know, it's... It takes place in middle America, flatland America, which is not an environment I'm familiar with, and yet I related to it as a child because the shots of the sky are so wide open. This idea of a dome of stars over a flat plain. I mean, I, growing up in a small town, I got that. Even though it's a different setup, the night sky, this dome, this unending sprawl, so maybe not a dome of stars, it's pretty overwhelming. Even as a child, I used to lay on my back out there and try to, in my parents' yard or wherever I was, and lift my hands over my head. And I couldn't do it for too long. So I'd get dizzy as I stared up at the stars, thinking some, some, something might reach down and snatch me, like a wendigo or these creatures. So, yeah, the scope of that is immense. But it is still this personal film. What am I saying here? What are the two scopes? Well, Close Encounters is a gigantic piece of work. The size of the story going on. It reaches all around the earth and through the scope of 30 years at the time of the movie of time. You know, missing ships reappearing, missing planes reappearing. This ongoing mystery of trying to make contact. And all these little pieces randomly happening of people seeing the ships as they travel through and people seeing images and visuals and having all of that come together for the satisfying and astronomical cosmic and scale finale. I mean, the scope of that is grandiose science fiction at its best, operatic, emotional, hopeful, which is not something I dig for in too many movies that I like. So yeah, the... um. The scope of its world is pretty wide, but it is, more than that, it is also still hitting this note, this creative note of that continually referenced phrase in the film of this means something, it's important. At one point, it has to mean something, it's important. I mean, this, this is still a movie about not making art, but pursuing it, you know? Living it and pursuing it. But I guess pursuing art is what this movie circles into. Maybe this is why it means so much to me. You know, the it's still a film. And it's a little desperate. This person's life is a little desperate in their desire to connect. God, why doesn't anybody let me pass here? Desire to connect with a uh, bigger scope of, of the story. You know, I'm crossing the street dangerously right now while talking holds on everyone alright there we go so yeah there's there's this at the heart of the film you know it's a movie about knowing something is bigger than you and pursuing it 
and ultimately having it choose you in a way. I don't even know if it's choose you, but to find you and take you. You know, that's sort of, that's at the, the heart of it. That's the theme of it. You know, it's not about are we alone in the universe. It's not about making contact. I don't really think it's about the communion of this man and these creatures. Because it's impressive to see the aliens. We're glad to. The ships are amazing. They're massive. But this idea, this pursuit, something meaning so much to go after it that you can abandon your life for it. No wonder that strikes me. I know I probably said this in the first half, but that really was my life growing up. And for me, it was movies. It was this idea of making movies, making art, plays, I guess. But it was always this idea of doing it. Not as a career, because I never thought about a career. Not for money, because you know, I wasn't thinking of providing for myself. Not for fame or celebrityhood, but because it just felt like I had to. Wanted to, had to, could could be a part of it and so that that overwhelming feeling rings still rings still in close encounters of the third kind a close encounter I mean that's it's a nice title obviously it works into the UFO mythology obviously it's a part of that I know but in how it why it means so much and what the story is Maybe I'm bending it a bit to interpret it now, but a close encounter, well, I think it's supposed to mean in the pro- yeah, because it means in the proximity of, brings you near something, in contact and close to something, near it. Not fully connecting with it, maybe not fully understanding it, but just it's a, ooh, that was a close encounter. Passing by, an encompassment, it was a moment. And I think that's my pursuit of art, you know? Looking at this film, for example, I spent all my life saying I'm a filmmaker. I've made a film and then it just kind of dropped off. Well, I had a close encounter with film. I had the pursuit of it. The process of writing the script, you know, and the process of living it, you know, the seven years of when I was working with. I'm talking about this uh, film, Substitute Culture, that I worked on with some friends uh, starting in 2010. It was never fully released. It was a project that was massive in scope. Took all of my time, efforts, and money for a good few years and then kind of just petered out. You know, and this year I kind of realized that we were well past the point of what being new. Well past the point of the accomplishment of it. So that having it, having a box of 98 of them on DVD, having a box of 100 one-sheet movie posters, having a website, a blog, old making-of documentaries, having all of that didn't rally people to see it. You know, it's time had passed, and that's, that's been slowing me down recently. It's been crushing me. Because when I look back at 41 years, obviously I don't remember all of them, but when I look back at my intention as a creative person, my intention of, of making art, making words, making scripts, making truth, I guess is what I called it, there was a feeling somewhere in me that substitute culture was going to be the culmination of that, while also being the stepping point to do it again. And it didn't. 
or it hasn't, probably won't, but a few of those years, the pursuit, the experience that got me to write it, you know, in the mid-2000s, finishing a draft of it in 2007, and going into production in 2010 and making it for the couple of years we were making it, maybe that's as close as I get. You know, maybe that's as close as I get to being a filmmaker. And if that's the case, you know, if filmmaking is bigger than me, which it is because I'm not doing it, (laughs) I get close. I experienced it. I pursued it. And, and, And on the terms that I wanted, you know, of life's terms, I just rambled along with it, fell in with it guided myself to a point, but also just wrote it, and the experience of that is, at times, huge and awe-inspiring, and culminates in something I don't understand, and I abandoned things along the way, savings, logic, some friendships, other pursuits, but it's valiant, maybe, or important, definitely, artistic, sure, selfish, you bet, but Close Encounters of the Third Kind really is about this need, at least that I had and I felt, that there was something. We do these things for a purpose. It means something. For me, that was making this art, making a film, and whatever pursuit follows. But I get it. You know, I get why this movie meant so much. And it's still rumbles with that feeling and seeing it on the big screen as the spectacle it was intended did impact me it was emotional because it's a movie man it's a fucking film and we don't experience movies as movies anymore because that world is changing you know we can watch more things digitally watch more things online we can make things at smaller scopes that are still important and I think that's fine it's important but Alongside that, every now and then, I think it's vital to still find the residence of film, of a movie, of the big screen daydream that is a spectacle of pursuit that does mean something. It doesn't have to be dissected and examined for it all to make sense. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is an artist's heart and soul and story and a worthwhile one for those of us who maybe feel like we faltered okay for me for me it was a movie that instilled in me this need that there's always something to pursue that's bigger than you and sometimes it was a mistake of romance sometimes it was a fleeting passion project most often most likely and hopefully again it was the pursuit of making some form of art So that guided me. And now at 41, a fool nine years older than Roy Neary is supposed to be in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the movie acts as a reminder, as a little comfort, as a statement that the pursuit was always important. And that's what I did. That's what I've done. 
probably a lot of repetition. This is why we edit these. Look, uh, thank you for making it through this. I hope it clocks in under 40 minutes. I'd hate to think it was an hour of just me. But uh, yeah, this is this week's show going up oh so late. But at least it made it, right? At least I saw the movie. And at a cost of only one movie ticket. Uh, so yeah, 20th Century Popcast. You can always check us out at 20popcast.com. Wow, I'm doing this in public right now as I walk down the street. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Subcultist. You can follow my co-host Bob, who's not on today, at RH Canning. Uh, but I would say next week, starting next week, check out the website. 20popcast.com is getting a massive overhaul, and I think we're going to launch it a little earlier than planned. Get it up on the website so you can kind of see it. I like the look of it. It's back to a Squarespace design site. No offer code here, just telling you how it's being put together. And hopefully it'll encourage more involvement for me and others in making it work. But um, yeah, check that out. It's got, it'll have links to past episodes. Always have the most recent episode. Look, clear show notes. Click on those for today and then be assured next week at this time, an actual show recorded with actual equipment that's not actually outside. Oh, I gotta go eat. Uh, catchphrase. So just a quick update. I'm the only one in here. I think I'll remain the only one in here in the theater, sitting in my seat for this screening, talking to my phone, while eating some recently made but still unenjoyable pretzel nuggets with nacho cheese sauce. God. I think I'm the only one in here. If I saw myself right now, if I came in here and I was already sitting in here, I would hate myself. I'd wonder who's that douchebag talking to his phone during this car commercial, the acapella version of a Queen song. Man, what good is this? You're now listening to me chew. I'm just trying to pass some time. I thought this would be quite an experience, take you into the theater. But now I just realize it's embarrassing that I'm going to put this on air. This is what I sound like. Movies, man. I guess I want it's done. I'll talk when it's done. Come I'll come back. I would hate to listen to this, that chewing. I know it bothers me. I just did it. After the movie, I'll have something to say. I promise you, if you're, if you're sticking around, if you're listening to this episode, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be really worth it. There'll be some music. Don't come back from the music. Some time will pass. I'll have just seen it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably what we'll do. That's probably it. Man, I should have peed. I guess I can leave my pretzels here, because who's going to take them? Who's going to want them? Even if it was packed, who would want them?